3: Welcome to Psych Up Live. I'm your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips, and this week I'm coming to you live from Marco Island, Florida. Here and everywhere, my goal is to turn up the psychological perspective on many life issues. As the former host of Psych Up on Cosozo Radio, I joined with terrific guests to host 73 shows. This show is different. This show includes you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in, call in with questions, comments at 1-866-472-5788. Today we're going to be speaking about something that's very timely in terms of the holidays, but is actually relevant all year round. We're going to talk about compulsive shopping In a world of endless media invitation and easy online shopping, the destructive fallout from addictive shopping is well hidden. Often considered the smiled-at addiction, we've come to understand actually that much like alcohol, gambling, or drugs, compulsive shopping is a serious and dangerous addiction. Today our guest is a nationally known expert. Dr. April Benson, who will highlight not only the causes, talk about the connection with the holidays, but she's going to help us take a look at some of the latest strategies for any shopper, online interventions, and evidence-based treatments for compulsive shopping. Dr. April Benson is a New York psychologist for over 35 years. She specializes in compulsive shopping and has been actually a pioneer in this area. Her books include I Shop, Therefore I Am, Compulsive Buying and the Search for Self, and To Buy or Not Buy Why We Overshop and How to Stop. Her recently very effective program for stopping overshopping was published in the Journal of Groups in Addiction and Recovery. She's been on radio, including The Diane Reem Show and Brian Lair, and her television appearances include The Today Show, Good Morning America, and even a role in the documentary What Would Jesus Buy? She offers individual treatment, group coaching, and many options, both in person and online. Dr. April Benson, it's my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Uh, Thank you so much, Suzanne. I am just delighted to be back. I I know we've worked before and we always have a good time doing it. Let's start by um, asking and answering the question, how do I know if I'm a compulsive shopper, April?
4: The bottom line is you know if you're a compulsive shopper if it's seriously affecting your life in a negative way. It may be that the first thing that comes to mind is financial. You're up to your eyeballs in debt. You have no money saved. You have nothing for retirement. But there are other negative outcomes, interpersonal conflict with family members, friends, anxiety, guilt, depression, shame, emotional personal development consequences. You're spending so much time, energy, and money buying stuff you don't need and won't use that you have no resources left and not so much brain space either to do things that really make your
3: heart sing. Mm. I think of a two cases. One Uh, of a a fellow who happened to have been, you know, in a mechanic, uh, electrical engineer type fellow. And it wasn't that he was spending so much money because he was buying every used radio or electronic type of machine he could at garage sales. But after a while, there was nowhere else to hide it in the house. So the rest of the family felt very put upon to have all of this stuff around. I mean, that didn't have anything to do with finances, but living space and living relationships.
4: Yes, and when you see that, you at least want to give some thought to the possibility that this person might be developing a hoarding problem. Mm
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess there's a real overlap with that. The, The other cases I've seen have been folks who And maybe you could explain this in one case someone continued to order from J Crew and she had a room filled with J Crew boxes that she never opened April how does that fit in
4: you know what what i have to tell you is that somebody who has a room full of J Crew boxes doesn't have a clue what it's about, Mm -hmm. nor do I, but, you know, it's very extreme and unusual behavior. I have one thing I can tell you, which is I know of a case where a woman bought thousands and thousands of porcelain dolls, and these dolls were all, all in the basement, never opened, and when I came to understand that she had had one series of miscarriages after another, mm. Mm. it was like this doll graveyard.
3: Mm. You know, in some ways, it fits, April, what we know about other addictions in terms of sometimes the impulse is really driven by an inability to regulate feelings, be they grief, loss, shame. So. Yes. Much as we would say someone would have a drink every time they're depressed, we know that some people, you know, click an online shopping um, site or go to the store when they're depressed to get that fix.
4: Yes. Yes, it's no
3: different. Except Mm.
4: because society sanctions it. Mm. That's a
3: difference. Yes, yeah. I think that's what makes it often persist for so long, Unless, of course, we've both known and heard about people who really are in serious debt from it, or it's become the the secret debt that the rest of the family doesn't know until they start getting calls from the electric company, the phone company. I mean, like any other addiction, there's a loss of control, wouldn't you say?
4: Yes, yes. And carrying on despite adverse consequences.
3: Mm-hmm. I think there's binging, there's there's shopping binging. I guess that's what brings the question up in terms of the holidays. Does the holiday really, if I'm a holiday shopper, um, could I become a compulsive shopper or do the holidays escalate compulsive shopping? There are two different questions. Let me answer the second one first.
4: I do think the holidays escalate compulsive shopping. If you're prone to this, then it's usually a pretty big trigger. Right. I don't think the holidays will make somebody who wasn't going to become a compulsive shopper into a compulsive shopper.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it makes I sense.
4: I think somebody who shops compulsively for the holidays and realizes they've been kind of taken over by something they really didn't want to be part of will return stuff. A compulsive buyer won't do that.
3: Oh, that's very interesting. I, I, it's an interesting thing in terms of, maybe you could share, because one thing I've shared that I've learned from you with patients is the phases of a compulsive shopper in terms of how they feel before and after. Ah, mood, to a mood shopper.
4: state, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a study of the mood of a normal buyer And the mood of a compulsive buyer matched samples. And what the study showed was that before shopping, the compulsive buyer's mood, let's say, is negative three. When at the point that the sale is made, that shoots way up, let's say, to eight. Post-purchase it falls again, but only, let's say, to negative one or negative two. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of reinforcement. Mm -hmm. With a normal buyer, maybe they start at the same minus three that day, and at the point of purchase, they're, let's say, at one or two, and post-purchase,
3: they're four or five. Mm-hmm. So they hold on to the good feeling because they've really made a purchase. It's not a fix for them. hmm yes. yes. Whereas the compulsive very, yep. shop, yep. the compulsive shopper drops again.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's very well said.
3: It's. You can see that this is complicated. So just for our listeners, I know you've written and said the kind of question I would ask myself is, "Am I shopping impulsively?" Am I out of control? Have my efforts to change been unsuccessful?
4: Mm. Do I I think that, do I use shopping as a quick fix for the blues? Do I spend more than I can afford? Are some of my purchases or bills, purchases unused or hidden? And what about my bills? Do I feel guilty or ashamed about the, the behavior? You know, those are all questions to ask. And on my website, top left corner of the home page, who needs help, three ways to know. Anybody it's free, anybody can download that. And the scoring is there.
3: And the three ways if you were to sum them up. The two
4: are valid and reliable research tools. The the Richmond compulsive buying scale and the Valence compulsive buying scale. And the other are just a series of questions, some of which I just asked.
3: Mm. Terrific, and we'll be talking about those. You know, another thing that you've written about that I thought was interesting in helping people take a closer look, because I think self-reflection is something that might help anybody wonder about whether or not this could be an addiction or just, you know, holiday excitement and shopping, is what you called the self-discrepancy gap.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe you can, yes. could
3: you talk a little of that?
4: Sure, sure. The self-discrepancy gap, is the distance between who we are and how we'd like to be or how we'd like to be seen. And we know that that discrepancy is 50% higher in compulsive buyers than it is in normal buyers. So the compulsive
3: buying to try to close that gap
4: is a very big point.
3: So if I get bombarded with advertisements that say, if I have a certain pocketbook, I'm going to be as cool as Angelina Jolie, or if I wear certain shoes, I will look 10 years younger, or if, in the case of a man, I'm driving a certain type of car, I'm going to be seen as extremely sexy, in some ways, that is going to really be a really big seduction for me
4: hmm Yes. If you, if you are prone, yes, if your self-discrepancy gap is very big, you're going to look to other things to fill it. And, my, you know, I say this all the time. You can never get enough of what you don't really need.
3: <laughs> right.
4: And it's not That's any true. of those things that you really need. Mm-hmm. You know, you need maybe love and affection, you need to belong, you need self-esteem, the esteem of other people, and you need to be able to be autonomous. And shopping is often a way to try to meet needs like that that it can't possibly
3: do. So people then are shopping for different kinds of reasons. I know one of the things that you mentioned is really important for people to take a look at is what triggers them to shop, the actual shopping, and then the aftershocks of shopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: What are there some- are many, di- yeah, many different kinds of triggers. There are emotional triggers, anxiety, guilt, despair. There are interpersonal triggers, a fight with your boss, um you feel guilty about the way you've treated your kid. You know, there are situational triggers. Christmas, end of year holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sit, uh, uh, others are driving by Kohl's every Saturday mm-hmm. on my way to yoga. Right. hmm So many kinds of triggers. And we talked a little before about the aftershocks, the financial ones, no money for retirement, up to your eyeballs in debt kind of thing. And there are also the personal space consequences, like you brought up, Suzanne, of the guy who, you know, collected all of that old electric stuff. And there are... Interpersonal consequences, divorce is rampant you know, money is a very big issue in divorce, in in
3: friction between spouses. So one of the things that we're gonna take a brief break, but one of the things, April, let's come back and share with our listeners is given you've just described the holidays as a trigger Maybe we can think about given that the stores are really, by virtue of where they put displays, to the fact that we now have we're bombarded both with I guess two things that I know from reading your material are are important factors here: a, online shopping is available at all times and at twenty four seven, and mm-hmm. b. I think you mentioned at one point within three years, the average person gets 20 chances to sign up for a credit card. So since we have online shopping, available use of credit cards, and nobody knows we're doing it, we have all the ingredients, unfortunately, of addiction. So let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about how people can take even small steps during the holiday time to face some of these triggers that make it so difficult. We're going to take a brief break. You're listening to Psych Up Live. We've been talking to Dr. April Benson, author of I Shop, Therefore I Am, and To Buy or Not Buy, Why We Overshop and How to Stop. We'll be right back.
1: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
2: You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inter-Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though, so this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors, but we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live.
3: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We've been talking with Dr. April Benson about shopping addiction and we've We sort of put a backdrop on what this addiction is, how it involves the impulse to buy, a loss of control, persistence despite the fact that there are debts, marital problems, hidden items, inability to really control oneself when it comes to online shopping. And now we're going to look a little bit at how it is that holidays, which really are a wonderful part of everyone's life can really turn the volume up on addictions, whether it's drinking, eating, and in this case, shopping. Let's talk about that a little, Dr. Benson. What would you say?
4: I would say that for many people, the holidays are a potentially very powerful trigger. We may have memories of holidays past that felt like the only bright spot in the year, and the expectation, the desire to recreate that, can parade as this anxiety about the perfect gift. So that that's one thing that comes up. There... Another scenario is the person where they felt really deprived at the holidays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they make it, you know, they, they, in no uncertain terms, are they ever going to feel that way again, is the way the thinking goes. Right. And whether they go into debt and it takes till August to pay it off or for August from then, it's what they feel they have
3: to do. And sometimes they translate that into, I must get my teenage daughter four sweaters or my son five pairs of sneakers. So they legitimize it in taking care of their historical deprivation by over-giving and overshopping for children or grandchildren.
4: And giving material gifts rather than time or, you know, other, other kinds of gifts.
2: Hmm.
3: Now, I know you've said the way even the stores advertise and even the layout in stores, it's worth people knowing how those can be unconscious triggers.
4: You know, the, the, the color red is supposed to be a really big buying trigger. Mm. And the, you know, I think The physical layout of stores, 90% of people, when they walk into a store, they turn right. So They have to have something on that wall, and then they want you to turn left and go to the back of the store and around the store, and where they put certain things follows what they've learned about traffic. So, you know, they know what people want and how people move, calling a sale a door buster. This isn't about the layout of a store, but this is how a, a sale is described. It triggers our sense of urgency, you know, this, this limited time promotion. It induces FOMO, the fear of missing out. All of mm-hmm. these things short circuit a mindful thought process.
3: I think most people, I will have to admit, this has probably even happened to me buying for grandchildren, that if it says one item only left, there's a good chance you're clicking on it (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they've created, as you say, that fear of missing out or how will I find it? So there's no time to reflect on whether or not the child would even want it or you, in fact, have the money to pay for it. Yes. Yes. And
4: that's where that card would come in. At the very minimum, to be able to ask yourself, why am I here? And if there's an emotional reason, that's the way you answer that question. So you have to really think that through. Why am I here? How do I feel? Do I need this? Or, you know, does the recipient need this? What if I wait? How will I pay for it? Where will I put it? Or where will they put it?
3: Now, and Dr. you Benson- might ask,
4: might they want to return it or
3: I want to return it? I want our listeners to know that Dr. Benson at this point is talking a very a very important strategies that she's used over the years, which is, is it a little card that people put in their wallet? Yes, or on okay. their computers. Oh, right, or on their cell phone. So maybe you could explain that because I think many people could benefit from it.
4: Sure, it's downloadable on my website. Um, it's on the Books, programs page. Anyway, okay. it has six questions which I ask people to ask themselves and answer a little away from the storm. So moving away from where they see the item, leaving the store. You know, different people have, think differently about this, and I don't think there's one right way. I think what you need is to pause.
2: Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. pause
4: and to think it. Think it all
3: through.
2: You know, by one asking, per-
4: why one, am I here? How do mm-hmm. I feel? Do I need this? What if I wait? How will I pay for it? Where will I put it?
3: One person who had a problem, I mean, I just love this idea. One person who had a problem with online late night shopping, which was becoming compulsive, used the idea of the pause button and those questions by. Bending the corner of the page of the item, if it, was a, if it was a catalog, or just saving, bookmarking the page, but waiting until the next day to actually make the purchase. And he made very few of those mm-hmm. purchases. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. And I say he to underscore, I don't know that we made it clear, men and women equally suffer from compulsive shopping.
4: Yeah, men have become the surprise compulsive shoppers on the Internet. Mm. So Going more than, to the Internet faster than women, buying more on the Internet than women, and even in such traditionally female categories as health and beauty products.
3: Uh-huh. Mm. This
4: was a PayPal study in England.
3: Interesting. So it's... <laughs> It's an equal opportunity addiction in the sense yeah. that the need to feel better. And, you know, we, we all shop. What Let's underscore we're talking about shopping that gets out of control and starts to have negative consequences. or so starts to become so big that it really pushes out other aspects of living. And with the holidays, it, it easily masks what won't stop for the compulsive shopper. They're going to do it all year. So let's talk a little bit about what, what about the value of other people helping you if you think you are going to do some holiday over shopping or your compulsive shopping is going to be really turned up at the holiday okay. time.
4: Okay, well, I call such a person your shopping support buddy, and every, di- every dyad Will handle that relationship differently from just telling, first of all, the qualities that that person needs to have are it needs to be somebody who's willing to take on the role, who's non judgmental, and who is willing to call a spade a spade in a loving way.
3: So, for instance, if I'm at the jewelry counter and I'm going to buy one more of the many, many bracelets I have because there's a wonderful holiday sale, this person's going to stop me? I mean, how's it going to work?
4: Well, if you have, the two of you have formed an agreement, and the details of that agreement, of course, are up to the two of you, but if you, what did you want that per- what did you want that person, that, that person's role to be? Mhm mhm So you know, I, since you since you were using yourself as, as an example I was Im- imagining well what would your shopping support buddy look like is it somebody that you want to go shopping with you and somebody who will remind you that you actually have made a plan a holiday spending plan which mm-hmm. I think is a very good idea and show you where what you're thinking about is not within the parameters you ask them to remind you of.
3: Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. So if someone says, well, didn't we have a budget of so-and-so? How's that fitting in? Right. Or, oh, it's terrific. Or someone says to me, well, it looks terrific now. How are you going to feel about using most of the budget for one single bracelet? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or you have 40 bracelets at home. When will you wear this, and do you really need it? Maybe you want yeah. to think about it before you buy it. Now, yes. you, you have a program, and I wanted folks to know this too, which is a text messaging program. Does that work somewhat like a buddy, April? Yes, yes.
4: The way we designed it, we hope that it comes across as a good friend who has your back. Okay. And the the reason we think it's conceivable that it could come across that way is that not only do you get personalized, targeted texts, but you have the capacity to text the system 24-7 and get immediate support from the program. And mm-hmm. by immediate support, first of all, you text differently if you just have an impulse, and you haven't started shopping yet, or if you've started shopping in a bricks-and-mortar store, or if you, you've started shopping online. Then you get a targeted text back, trying to talk you off the emotional ledge. Some mm. of these texts are linked to one-minute audios, where I and a few other recovering shopaholics have recorded away of helping somebody to take that all important pause between impulse and action.
3: Terrific. So if I'm part of this program or I sign up for it and I am alone in a store, I could quick I could text into the yes. program, I need help.
4: Right. And then we send you that help 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. We you know, pat, we we give you a tap on the shoulder and we ask you If you're still shopping, or you're still having the impulse, or if it's passed, depending upon what you say, you get one more text. Congratulatory if you've been able to write it out, but instructive if you haven't.
3: I see. So what have people found? Have you found that people have found this to be very helpful? Yeah. Oh, it sounds it. Exactly. I have
4: a lot, you know, I've, there are some testimonials already on the page on the website. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's important that people know that we, while we have research that shows that text messaging programs can help with smoking cessation, weight loss, uh, maintaining gains in inpatient bulimia treatment, we don't have any hard data yet on a text messaging program for a compulsive buyer, and that's something I'd like to do soon. Mm.
3: What I think makes so much sense about it is that one of the things that has fueled perhaps uh, the men as compulsive shoppers online and even women compulsive shopping or anyone who's suffering from an addiction is there's so much shame about it that the the whole idea that I can get help from, in an, not only can I... I can do the addiction in an anonymous way, but we're using the same roadmap yes. in a way. Yes. I have yes. an anonymous guardian angel on my shoulder, yes. and I don't have to be embarrassed to use it. That's what I love about this text exactly. message. Exactly, and looking. nobody
4: else has to know. It's not mm-hmm. because it's a secret, but it's private to me.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
4: know, I don't have to be ashamed of this. Mm-hmm. I think this it's is a, a real thing. And Just I because. W- you know, it, 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 how you know, how can we take it seriously if we had a president who said, after nine eleven, Mrs. Bush and I want Americans to go shopping. No regard for whether we could afford it or not. He didn't say drugging or
3: drinking. that's interesting. Mm. so it's it's a a very important piece to be able to think about. Starting where the addictive shopper or the compulsive shopper is when we think about alternatives and ways to get help. If it's anonymous, if it's right there in the moment, if it's something you can feel even a moment of mastery. I tell people who I'm working with, we're not going day by day, we're going moment by moment because we, mm. live, we live in moments of our time. The moment you know you've held back from buying the bracelet that I didn't need is a sense of mastery. So the fix is replaced with a moment Mm -hmm. of mastery. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that makes the difference in the person's Mm -hmm. feeling. Yes.
4: Yes. It reminds me of one thing we do in in this program. I ask everybody to take an online survey, which yields their five signature strengths. Mm. And millions of people have taken this survey so far. Great. And... When they get their five strengths, they compare what the computer fed them with what they thought as they eyeballed the strengths. And then they think about how they're going to use each of their strengths in stopping over-shopping.
3: It's terrific. You know, I'm going to stop you right there because we have to take a break, but we're going to come right back to this. Welcome back. We are going to take a brief break. We are listening to Psych Up Live. I'm here with Dr. April Benson. She's our specialist on compulsive shopping. She's a pioneer in this field. Stay with us because we're going to come back and talk about how to use your strengths, your own strengths, to combat this addiction. We'll be right back.
1: News. Opinion. Voice counts Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning, powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century
0: it's a dynamically changing story that requires constant adjustments to lifestyle and environment. That includes your home. As you continue to enhance your living space, you are also making overall improvements to increase the value of your home. Join Laura Minoff each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for dynamic insights for your home environment on the Voice America Variety Channel. And start living now.
1: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
2: You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live.
3: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with psychologist and specialist Dr. April Lane Benson, who is the author of I Shop, Therefore I Am, and To Buy or Not to Buy, Why We Overshop and How to Stop. And we were talking about using your own strengths um, to fuel strategies that may help you in terms of compulsive shopping. There's Dr. Benson has done so much in terms of strategies for men, women, compulsive shoppers of all types. So you had mentioned, Dr. Benson, that you had, you have a, a kind of online survey that millions have taken in which they identify their five, Best
4: resources. signature strengths. It's it's not my online survey. I, I oh, want to okay. make sure that people realize that this okay. is a survey that was created by a very big and long, uh, long-standing think tank about values and character. And so this is a a survey of signature strengths. Twenty four of which have been identified like love of learning, appreciation of beauty and excellence, honesty, humor. And you take the survey and you get a printout of what your five highest are, and it's interesting for people to compare what the computer printout says to what they imagine as they read over the list before they take the survey. Hmm. Not that one's right or wrong, it's just it's interesting to see how close, how far.
3: So how would I translate, if I know mine might be love of learning, um, social connection with people, um, being in the okay. outdoors, how would I use that actually to in some way lower this, this impulse I have to shop as a way to feel better?
4: Okay. Well, let me use this five of the real signature strengths. that they have been identified with, you know, solid research, and I have some data that's, you know, right from that. So, for example, a woman that I have been working with, her first strength was appreciation of beauty and excellence. This is somebody who overshopped for very... Had lots of collections of beautiful things, collections for making beautiful things that didn't get made, etc. So, what she said she could do is to use this to focus on mindfulness, on being in the moment when she appreciates beauty and excellence, and to recognize the beauty of her surroundings, but also the beauty of her heart and soul, which really bring me the greatest joy. Hmm. And by doing so, I'll be focusing on joy and wonder instead of the empty pain of needing to shop.
3: Okay, and how did she operationalize that? How did she actually operationalize it?
4: This, well, one of the things she did recently was she had a very bad experience waking up, hearing something on the radio that disturbed her a great deal. And she went into work, and she found out that Much to her surprise, because she thought this program wasn't going to exist, she was being asked to make a beautiful holiday for a child in her town who didn't have money. Mm. And she was able, with very little money, to access the joy and the wonder that she wanted to give. And, you know, in short order... Put something together that felt absolutely wonderful to her, and the whole bad feeling she had in the
3: morning totally disappeared. Mm, it's such a—it's a great example, not only in terms of taking care of her own self-focused addiction, because addiction gets us so self-involved, but that whole idea of building, broadening the positive outreach to someone else. Yes, gratitude yes. and generosity are the best antidotes to compulsive mm-hmm. buying.
4: Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, there's this fabulous article, if money isn't making you happy, then you're probably not spending it right. <laughs> it's very well-researched, and one of the eight principles of, that came out in this was help, yourself, uh, help others instead of yourself. Mm-hmm. There was a Gallup poll of 100 countries in every country, from Sierra Leone, from Uganda to uh, Mozambique to the United States. People were happier when they were giving to other people than when they were spending on themselves.
3: Mm. Everywhere. It's it's absolutely true in terms of the research, and I could picture it with with how it makes a difference. And someone who knew she was over-shopping for her own family, much like your lady, began and somehow was asked and became a volunteer to do the shopping and gathering for parish outreach programs that supply mm-hmm. eggs and food and, mm-hmm. and also holiday gifts. And that mm-hmm. just took her strengths to a positive place. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's very nice, the idea of starting from a point of mastery. What might be another example of someone's use of one of the identified signature... Um, okay. Um, let me... Honesty
4: was another one of this woman's signature strength. And let's see what she had to say. Okay, kindness was her second one. And she said, I can use this to turn inwardly for gentleness and love for myself, and by doing so, I'll be practicing self-love. What I like about this is it's such a nice juxtaposition. From the kindness that she showed in this charity drive at her at her workplace, and kindness turned toward herself because she tends to be very very self critical.
3: You know that fits so well in with I know in your group program, uh, one of your big pieces is acceptance, and it seems to me self love and kindness fits with, it's the antidote to, I need that pocketbook to be better than I am. I need those shoes to be a real woman. Because if you love yourself, you don't need the shoes and mm-hmm. you don't need the pocketbook. So I it makes so much no, sense. I, I do s- want
4: to say one thing. I want to make, I don't want shopping to get a bad rap. Shopping is a way we search for ourselves and our place in the world even when we use it metaphorically. But but shopping done mindfully mm, can be great. an exercise in self definition, self expression, creativity, even it's healing.
3: Terrific. I love it. It's true. That's great. Shopping couples shopping together for their first furniture, for mm-hmm. babies for a baby's room. You're you're so right. It's such an important component, but it's like eating, drinking, or anything else done with moderation and mindfulness, as you say. It's a joy. It's a gift. It's not an addiction. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you, I want to make sure we have time. What do you think has been the, the trigger, so to speak, that's made people go from being caught in shopping compulsion and addiction to, I have to get help? What, what have you found?
4: You know, it's a very good question. This particular time, just recently, the daughters of someone I worked with told their mother they had to, she had to get help. They paid for her to be in my telecoaching group, and that was that particular person. Hmm. Somebody else... It was in a great deal of debt, wasn't being able to get a handle of it. She is in therapy, and her therapist recommended she come.
3: Mm. So it comes from different places, often an outside observer, much like with other addictions, is saying, you have a problem, you shouldn't suffer like this.
4: Yes. Yes, and by the way, speaking of support, the latest blog post that I wrote was my synthesis of three wonderful articles, all of which there are linked to in this blog post, about how to be supportable. How, you know, how to help somebody to help you. As well as how to help for a loved one. But I, I liked that in particular. How to be of help to somebody who wants to help you.
3: Mm, How to be available to receive it. Yes. And
4: how Mm. to help help them to know what you want,
3: what you need. Mm. Great, right. Mm -hmm. That's a terrific um, dynamic in terms of getting any kind of help is letting folks know what you're struggling with, what you need, what might make a difference? It's what we always say the patient or the person knows themselves better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now I know you did both virtual groups and actual groups in your research, which really demonstrated the power of your the many components in your stopping over shopping. Why do you think groups make such a difference, whether they're online or in person? I think they reduce shame tremendously. I think they
4: relieve the burden of secrecy. I think they help people to feel that they're not alone in this. They get strength from other people's strength. They get shored up by other people's strength, and they shore up others who are having their struggles.
3: I mean, if you know that the people sitting across from you or online who are sharing with you have walked in your shoes, you're often much more ready to listen, and you feel such relief that you're not the only one. Yeah. Now, um, I just just in terms of what we've talked so far— April, how would our listeners find your wonderful website, your blogs, your, your assessment tools, and even Everything some... Everything is
4: on my website,
3: shopaholicnomore.com.
4: Mm-hmm. Everything that we've talked about is there.
3: If somebody wanted to participate in one of your actual treatment programs, your group programs, how would they do that?
4: Well, there's a menu bar on the website, and one of the menu options is getting help. Okay. And there's a drop-down menu of the different types of things, services, that my colleagues and I can offer.
3: And I will tell listeners that Dr. Benson has been an on- online provider long before many, many other professionals were her, her website is fabulous. Just going to it may be your first step toward turning things around to really make a difference for you. April, if you were going to give our listeners, you know, three, three things, three take-home messages, what would you tell them?
4: No, please know that effective help is available. This is a problem that has a solution. I'd also remind them of what I said before that you can never get enough of what you don't really need. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be just where I left it. Money is an equal opportunity, all purpose mood changer is also <laughs> something to know.
3: Right, right. I think when people see your website, they're also going to know, of course, that they're not alone with this and there's no yeah. need to feel that they're over their yeah, head shop, or ever shop. alone. Shop is not a four-letter word. (laughs) Right. Thank you so much. As always, Dr. Benson, it's been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. I know our listeners gained a great deal from hearing from you today.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
3: Oh, you're welcome. I want to remind our listeners to be sure to turn in next week. Tune on, because next week we have an interesting and important show entitled, Translating Heartache to Help and Hope. You're going to be hearing from the founder of the Voices of 9-11, the founder of Angels for Warriors, and those who have faced the tragedy of suicide and work as spokesmen for the International Foundation of Suicide Prevention and more. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's going to be an important show. Remember to drop me a comment. Send me a question ahead at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Tweet me at HealingForCouples. Couples. Find us on YouTube. You just need to go to Voice America, Suzanne Phillips, PsychUp Up Live. Until next week, please take care, thanks, and be listening.